0: Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Born to Fly podcast. And if you are interested in working a 16-hour work week, yes, that's right, one six, so 16-hour work week, then check out this episode because I'm talking to Shay Cogren. And she is all about, well, photography for sure as well, but also about having a very productive work week. She's a mom and she's an entrepreneur, so she was like, I am going to do the two things at the same time, but I'm gonna divide my time and my focus and be really present as a mom and be really present as a an entrepreneur. So today, Shay is my guest. Shay is a commercial photographer and product stylist. She has worked with Sugarfina, Pure Fiji, Truffle Bags, Simplified Planner, and she provides images to powerful female entrepreneurs like Marie Forleo, Jenna Kutcher, and thousands of others. They love her Social Squares membership, where she puts her years of work as a commercial stylist and photographer into a highly curated stock image membership that supplies elevated stock images for female-owned online Brands. Her vision is to enable more women to find greater success sharing their ideas and businesses with the world. And she manages to do this in just a 16-hour work week. She has been married for 16 years to her fellow entrepreneur husband, Graham Cochran, who I also interviewed. And they call Sunny Tampa, Florida home, along with their two daughters. So enjoy this episode. So welcome everyone to another episode of the Born to Fly podcast. And today I'm very excited because my guest is Shay Cochran. Um. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation.
0: Yeah. And people who are listening can see it, but you have a beautiful background with a lot of photos. I, I bet you took them all yourself.
1: I didn't. I wish oh. I could say that I did, but we have so many amazing contributing photographers with social squares that most of what's behind me is actually probably from them at this point. Uh, I was actually wondering that, but we'll get
0: into your yeah. story. <laughs> because yep. <laughs> social squares is like one of the things that you do. But tell us like, who are you? And how did things it for you? Social squares, but also the photography and everything?
1: Yeah. Okay. So as Jane said, my name is Shay Cochran, and I've been an entrepreneur now for most of my adult life since post-college. So we're talking uh, 18 years in as an entrepreneur. And over the course of those 18 years, the businesses have changed a little bit, but my background is in photography. I started out originally right after college as a portrait and wedding photographer, like most photographers probably start out. But when I started to have kids, so my oldest is 13. I have two girls. When I started to have children, that schedule of shooting on nights and weekends just didn't really work for me anymore. So I still loved photography and was just trying to figure out what to do with all of my years of experience and equipment. And God brought to mind the concept of commercial photography and how someone's taking all of those beautiful photos in magazines and that you see on displays up in stores. Somebody gets to play with the props and create those photos for businesses to sell with. Why not me? I love working with my hands. So I kind of jumped headlong into styling after about, I don't know, six, six, six to eight years as a wedding and portrait photographer, I kind of made an overnight decision that I wanted to move into commercial product styling and photography. So I started, I just kind of raised my hand at that point in time. I knew a lot of female business owners And I just raised my hand, you know, on the internet to say, I'll create images specifically for female small business owners. And there weren't a lot of people that were doing that because usually if you had a shop and let's say you needed photos of the mugs that you were creating, taken, you'd probably hire the closest like portrait and wedding photographer that you knew. So there wasn't anybody really raising their hand to take photos for that group of people, female small business owners. Uh, So I think just being just kind of taking that step and saying, like, I'll do that for that specific audience really caused that to take off pretty quickly. So I was at one point in time for a few years taking commercial clients brands as big as like Sugarfina Candy. And I was getting the chance to fly out to L.A. and shoot their holiday catalog and things like that. But then I had my second daughter, and more and more it was like, I just don't want to be flying out to LA at the drop of a hat. I don't want to be in a 10-hour photo shoot. I want to be able to be here when my kids get home from school. Um, so that it was just no longer served my season of life mm-hmm. then. So through the recommendation actually of one of my small business clients, the idea for the SC stock shop came up, which was my original stock photography business. And again, the idea wasn't even mine. It came from a client who said, you know, I have. Have peaches in my brand. If you could, I don't need product photos, but I really do need like themed images, stock photos that aren't cheesy and overly corporatey or masculine, like what's available on iStock and Getty Images. Mm-hmm. If you could just shoot images like that, I would love that and use it on my site. And a bunch of other people probably would too. And that was kind of the light bulb moment for me of, oh, I could shoot almost whatever I want. Anything is usable for someone if it's really done beautifully. So I started to create stock photos specifically for female business owners who have a female audience that they're selling to. I did that for years as one-off selling one-off individual images through the SC stock shop, which was the first of its kind to do that. And then eventually that turned into social squares membership, which is what you're talking about, which kind of is the iteration of the business now where it is a subscription model that sells stock images and video, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous images and video Again, still for small business owners, but they just pay for subscription access to our over 6,000 image catalog. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my vision all along, and really as it's gotten, as the businesses have gotten broader in terms of the audience size, my vision all along is just to see more women find greater success, sharing their ideas and businesses with the world. And my part in that is just providing the images that they need to really help get their messaging out out there, show up consistently online, uh, be on Instagram, be on Pinterest, blog, You know, all sell their digital courses, all of the ways and platforms on which women need images. My job is to just kind of be a resource and come support them by providing really beautiful commercial quality imagery, but in an affordable subscription type model.
0: Yeah. And also that's c- where we're at today. <laughs> yeah. And also you said, you know, cater to like female businesses, right? Also with yeah. a female audience. So that's also what you can see in the photos that, you create uh, yeah. versus like other stock image websites that yeah. are out there. And I for remember sure. starting my first business and thinking about, like, oh, like, what do I put on my website? You know, what kind of photos? And yeah, yeah it seems so straightforward when you see beautiful social feeds or something, but it, people really have to invest in that. Either they I do feel. it themselves or, you know, um, well, I mean, it's still an investment, but they can sign up for a membership like this. And yeah, but so I hear your story and it sounds like it was so seamless, <laughs> but <laughs> I can't imagine it has not. Hop in. Easy, right? <laughs> I mean, even at the beginning, you came from college. You dove right into entrepreneurship. Was that a heart decision? Was that something you felt called to do?
1: You know, I think I've been an entrepreneur since birth. I was okay. selling friendship bracelets on the playground out of an Altoids tin. I mean, really, <laughs> I was I, even as a child finding ways to sell things and make money. And my parents have traditional jobs, so I don't know what it was that just kind of sparked something in me to love the challenge. Of Of producing something that other people want, that's a value to them that they're willing to pay for, because I have been doing that since I was a child. So I did have a real, you know, quote, unquote, real job after college. So the wedding and portrait photography was something I did on the side, I didn't jump from day one into full time work. But I mean, actually, arguably, to this day, I've never worked full time. So I don't think that full time is the qualifier of a successful business. But I was originally doing both, like most people are doing and then just over time transitioned to where I could actually run my various businesses part-time but make a full-time salary.
0: Yeah, I get it. So we're gonna talk about that because uh personally I'm very interested in hearing more about your 16 hour work week. So you started off with a wedding, a portrait photography, and then you kind of like because of a client, you actually listened to somebody telling you, hey, I actually would like some images that I can use for my socials or my website. So I also talked to your husband like two years ago or yeah. something he's on this podcast as well and I know um, you two have been through a really rough time at some point and so you were s- still doing your business as well while he was setting up his uh, rec- uh what was it the recording, yeah, revolution. recording revolution yeah mm-hmm. how was that for you because a lot of entrepreneurs who are in business you really have to surrender in a way that your financials are going to be provided for by the mm-hmm. Lord how was that for you to be in that season with your business
1: man that was a hard season so <laughs> what you're talking about is When we moved from Virginia to Florida to plant a church, I was still doing wedding photography at the time. And I was about eight months pregnant with my oldest child. So our first baby. So, we move thousands of miles away from our family to go help plan a church with some friends. We buy our first home. My husband had a job. Graham had a job, you know, a traditional job that he was moving to Florida and was going to work while we were church planning. We moved to Florida, new baby, first home, new mortgage. And that business that he works for closes up because this is 2009. So, this is like right in the height of the recession. Here in the States, it was progressive in terms of what was happening economically, but we could not find a job. He could not get any work. The church that we were there to plant couldn't afford to pay him. So we were literally only taking a paycheck of $500 a month. And then I had a new baby and no help of family. You know, I didn't have anybody close by and I could do wedding photography still at that point in time, but I'm nursing a newborn. I'm in a new state. I don't have any referral customers anymore. So it really was a hard time. I mean, we had family that was sending us money, like younger siblings that were sending us money to just kind of try to help pay the bills. We ended up having to go on food stamps, which is a government assistance program here. Just things we never thought we would do. And all the while, or in in that time, was when Graham and I both started to think about, well, what are the skills and abilities that we have? And is there any way that we can generate money from them while we're waiting for a real job, you know, for him to be able to get a real job? And it was out of that season that his business which you know now has be- become a huge um, online resource for musicians. It was out of that season that that was born. I mean I think a lot of incredible businesses are born through recessions, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Like when when you're really kind of put to the fire, you're forced to be creative and you you rise to the challenge. So but to your point, absolutely it's a walk by faith. You have no idea what money is coming. Most of your revenue is probably not guaranteed depending on the type of work that you're doing. So you really do have to lean into where do I see God's hand? What is he calling me to? How has he gifted me? What are my passions? Do I trust his provision? How do I be a good steward of my family and the things that I have in front of me, but also lean into where he might be leading me and just kind of following like, where do you see traction? So in those days for Graham, is like, even though money wasn't coming in, And he was showing up every day to start blogging. I mean, that was how it started. It's like, well, I'm going to apply for jobs, but because I'm not getting any callbacks, I'm going to also just start blogging. And I have no idea if this is going to create any revenue, but I do feel like I have something to share and people enjoy it. And we just saw God's hand there and it wasn't quick. It wasn't an overnight success. Mm -hmm. It probably took two years to replace our his income at the time, but we saw God's hand on it. And I think when you see God's hand on something, it kind of renews your confidence that, okay, I don't know the math. I can't do the math right now, but I I feel like I'm walking in, in the direction that God's leading me. And that will just have to be enough for me right now. Yeah.
0: And I feel definitely in periods like that, you are really seeking God. It's more like when things are going better that you, right. you still <laughs> have to seek God in everything that you do. You know, you have to follow him and like, where is his hand leading you? Yeah. Which is also. Probably why you ended up uh, here right now with what you're doing and also uh, very interestingly working a 16 hour work week because we all know that people have this idea that once you start your own business you work 60 hours a week it's really Mm -hmm. hard to to log off which could still be the case if you work 16 hours but uh, tell us more about the 16 hour work week that you created for yourself and why what's your reason behind it
1: (laughs) So the why initially was pretty simple. When I started having children and was making this transition from wedding and portrait photography into owning my commercial photography business and then turning that into a stock photography business, I learned very quickly that I personally did not do very well juggling motherhood and businesshood (laughs) at the same time. There are some women that could have a baby on their lap and shoot off an email or be constantly interrupted and it just doesn't really bother them. Maybe they're way more laid back than I am, but I know that that Works for some people to kind of flow in and out of both of those roles simultaneously. I am like the extreme opposite of that. I did not do well with that. And I realized very quickly that what was happening is that instead of resenting my work, I was resenting and getting frustrated with my child. Mm. Ugh, why does she need to be fed again? Why is she crying? Why isn't she napping? This is so frustrating. I just need to get this stuff done. Like you're interrupting my work, you know, as a newborn. <laughs> this, yes. this is what's happening mentally. And I knew that I wanted to be a mother. I loved my daughter. It wasn't that I was frustrated overall decision, parenthood was a decision we chose. My heart really is for my family and for being a mom. But when those two things were butted up against each other, uh, I didn't like the person that I was becoming towards my role of mother. So that was kind of a a wake up call for me of I got to do something different so that I'm free to be a business owner and follow those passions and interests that God's given me. But I'm also able to be fully present as a mom, not feeling mom guilt, able to turn work off and just enjoy motherhood and not feel like the two who were constantly in conflict with each other. So long story short, 16 hours of childcare was all I could afford. Because remember, we were broke as a joke. We have no money coming in. I have no idea if this is going to work. You know, either of us have any idea whether or not what we're doing is going to work. So 16 hours of childcare, two days, Tuesday and Thursday, was all we could muster together in terms of financially. And so that just kind of stuck. And I've still, so that's now, that was 13 years ago, almost 14 years. Ago. So what I also found in that time was that if I could go real hard on those days, like really, my phone is off, kids are out of the house, now they're at school. I can dive 150% into being a business owner without feeling guilty. And I can really get a lot done in that time period. And that work going that hard in those two days also meant that that I would kind of burn out if I went much more than that, if I worked many more days than that. So what I found was that 16 hours was just a good, healthy spot for me to be able to get in it, do good work, but then pull out of it. If I work more than 16 hours or if I work on more than two days a week, it's hard for me to pull back out of it. Like It's just hard for me to exit the business then on those other days, which is what I really, really try to do. So mm-hmm. from the beginning, I've always had the challenge and that challenge, I think, is been been one of my biggest assets. I've always had the asset of those limitations that has forced me to make decisions differently about how many use my time and my resources, what I can do, what I can't do, where I can show up, where I can't show up. Um, It's forced me to do things like 80-20 the business so that I really know where I should be spending my time and what is producing the most revenue. And then I just have to cut the other 80% that isn't really moving the ball down the court because that's all the time I have. So now, fast forward 13 years later, I have a team. I have multiple team members that are all also part-time contractors. But even in the early days, I was 16 hours. And then when I hired my first person, I was 16 hours. And I've just kind of throttled the business to fit that schedule because I found that that really worked well for me as a mom within the family, mentally, emotionally. And then also having this limitations really, I think helped skyrocket the business from a profitability perspective, just because I was forced to make really disciplined decisions.
0: Yeah. Cause there's limitations. So I definitely get it. You only have 16 hours. So what are you going to do with those 16 hours that are going to actually bring in money? You have to choose very carefully. Yeah. So people are listening. they probably think I want that. <laughs> like how, how do they get started on a 16 hour work week? Yeah. Well, I do think the 80, 20 principle,
1: really, I just keep coming back to that as the key. If you're not familiar with 80, 20 principle, it applies to a lot of things outside of business as well. But in general, it just states that 20% of the input is producing 80% of the result. So as a business owner, that means that on average, only 20% of what you're doing. Doing to fill your time is actually driving revenue. And 80% of what you're doing as a business owner is only driving 20% of the revenue, if that makes sense. So 20% is producing 80% of the result. The other 80% of things that you're doing is only producing 20% of your revenue. And that's a principle that's true in business, but it's also true in a lot of other things, parenting, probably parenting, marriage, I mean, all kinds of areas, it's interesting to apply to. But if you really take that principle seriously and apply it within your business and do an 80-20 analysis, Analysis of the services that you offer and the products that you offer. So if we just talk about products, most likely for anyone listening, 20% of your products are likely generating 80% of your revenue currently. Also 20% of how you're spending your time is generating. Am I saying that right? 20% is driving 80% of the revenue. So if you can do an 80, 20 analysis of both how you're spending your time and then also your products and services, you're going to be able to dwindle down to, okay, here are... the things that are driving revenue and then you take that and i don't care how many hours a week you work either you can dial back your hours and you can still make the same amount of revenue or becomes quickly multiplied so if you're going to work still the same 20 hours a week or 30 hours a week or 40 hours a week, but you're only going to focus on that 20% that was driving revenue. Then we're talking at that point about 5X, 6X, 7X in your revenue. You've just dialed in on exactly what to do. So it's not so much about how many hours you're working. It's really about identifying what's driving revenue in the use of your time and in your products and services and focusing only on that. So when you know that you can cut your hours back and make the same amount of money or more, Mm -hmm. but also, if you're like, oh, that's okay. I love working. I I love working a 40 hour a week. Then you could be making probably 10 times what you're making right now. If you would just be willing to do the brave, bold thing of saying no to little amounts of money, like the 80% or, or and then really just dialing into that 20% that's really producing the bulk of the revenue. So, I mean, to help you guys with that, if you're like, okay, that sounds awesome, but like, I still need some help walking through that. I actually have an 80, 20 guide that I give out um, that will kind of walk you through doing an 80, 80-20 analysis, you guys can get that at socialsquares.com slash CEO. And that'll be a guide that will actually literally walk you through how to do an 80-20 analysis of your business. But that really is what it comes down to for me is just taking the time. It's, it's tricky to do that. Some of it's easy. You just need numbers. Some of it's a little bit harder. Like, hmm, how much revenue is email generating mm-hmm. for me? I mean, how much... Revenue is Instagram generating for me. How much revenue? Yeah. You it is a little bit hard to find these answers, but if you can do the hard work of answering those questions, you have got dynamite in your pocket, you know, just waiting to be set off to really
0: catapult your business. So that'd be my
1: encouragement is download that guide and put it to work for you and really do that.
0: It is in the show notes. I will put it there. So people just one click away. And also it makes me think of it makes it so much easier to make decisions. Because you hear so many things that you should be on, right? You should be on yes. Pinterest. You should you should make a podcast. You should do this, that, yes. and then actually, when you do the 80-20 principle, then you can actually tell what is working, and what is not. Like what, one of the things I also decided for me personally, like Instagram wasn't working at a point. I said, yeah. okay, I'm not gonna invest in it anymore because yeah. a I want to do it excellent. I wasn't doing that. Maybe yeah. then it would have been, you know, part of the twenty. Yeah. But that's like how you can apply it. It's just yeah it might be weird because people might have opinions about you not using Instagram. But right. I think, you know, if you want to build a business that can run in 16 hours a week, then don't you're going to have to
1: say no to something. And it's going to be different for every single person because it's going to be based on your passions, your interest, ease of use, where your audience is, how you're Collecting leads. I mean, there's no one size fits all answer. Like this is a waste of time. You have to really do that work for yourself to figure it out and decide for yourself. And based on the numbers, like based on data, you have to actually go look at Google analytics and (laughs) your sales data to figure out what's working.
0: Yeah, which is good because a lot of people like, oh, numbers, I don't do that. It's difficult. I know a lot of people think if you do a 16 hour work week, you also have to delegate a lot of things. Is that true too? Well,
1: and the the guide will kind of take you through that because it's a good question. You do have to figure out, okay, here are all the things that I'm doing, spending my time. And once you identify that this is the 20% that's actually generating revenue, all right, well, what do I do with the other 80%? And that's where you are going to eliminate it. So there are going to be things that you're just going to say no to. I just can't do that. Anymore. There's things that you're going to automate. So, is there an app that could take care of that for you? Could you work it into an automated sales funnel so that you're not, you know, your email is selling for you automatically? Could you use Instagram auto message replies? I mean, like there's all kinds of things you can automate. So, what really needs to be happening, but it can be automated? And then what things need to be eliminated? There are absolutely going to be things, like you said, that at the end of the day, you're like, you know what? I, I can't do this and also do this. And I don't think this is really moving the ball down the field. So I'm just gonna go ahead and eliminate it. Automate, eliminate, delegate. Delegate is the third one. So there is, there will certainly be items that you need to delegate to someone else. You can whether that's a system or a person. And that's where we get into when I hired my first assistant was because there were things like customer service that absolutely needed to happen. I couldn't eliminate customer service. Mm-hmm but it wasn't a great use of my time because I needed to be shooting images. So that was where delegation comes into play that maybe it's time to hire somebody who could do that.
0: Yeah, because I, th- I feel a lot of people, you, you might have dealt with a lot of opinions of people as well, might think, well, if I work 16 hours a week, I only check my email twice a week, like people are waiting mm-hmm. for a reply. How is this being customer friendly? <laughs>
1: yeah, and that's a real thing. I mean, in the early days, it was only me. And so I had an, an autoresponder up that said, hi, I'm a team of one. and I'm really focusing on being both a mom and a business owner right now. I'm in the office from Tuesday to Thursday. Here are my office hours. I promise I will respond to you when I am in the office. And that was literally the email that my, customers got. (laughs) And and my client Scott was like, I'm sorry, it's going to have to wait (laughs) until Tuesday or Thursday. And you know what? I ended up just attracting people that valued the same things I valued. They were other business owners that wanted to live the same type of life. So they were kind of like, wow, good for you. Maybe I could do that too. You know, there's no styled stock emergencies. So I really think anything that's going on can wait until tomorrow. And that's how i built the business. Now, of course, now I do have customer service that's in there five days a week because we serve such a larger audience yeah. and I can outsource customer service that way. But in the early days, I just had to be honest, like, hey, it's just me and I don't want to work every day. I mean didn't say it like that, but <laughs> I can't wait to help you when I'm in the office Tuesday and Thursday between the hours of 8 a.m. and 4 p.m.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's the key, you know, is like communication to people, you know, manage your expectations. If they know yeah. you're only two hours a, a week in, in the office, then they know what to expect. They can't. Another- sorry. I
1: didn't mean to no, yeah, go, go,
0: go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Um, It just makes me think of another helpful way of thinking about, is it time to delegate? Can I afford to delegate with, especially with things like customer service or that kind of thing where you're like, but this really needs to be done, but I know it's not a good use of my time. We often just jump to, I can't afford to hire right now. I can't afford to have help or an assistant. And A helpful shift in that question for me is how can I afford an assistant? Okay, what do I need to do? So if it's going to cost me a thousand dollars a month to have an assistant who would check my email or respond to customer inquiries, is there something that by hiring this person for a thousand dollars a month, could I do something with that time that would make me a thousand dollars a month? And the answer is probably yes. There's a number of things that you could do that could, now that your time is freed up, you could make that thousand dollars a month. So my encouragement is just to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. How can I afford to hire this person? What can that, and now that you've done an 80, 20 analysis, you know exactly what to do more of with your time that now has been freed up and you know, the amount of money that you need to make so that you can afford an assistant. So it
0: really unlocks a lot of possibilities. I think when you think of it, that, yeah, that's a good one. Thanks for sharing that as well. Many guests on the podcast, I ask them, is there a mistake or a failure that you made that taught you so much that you can share with people so they don't have to make that same mistake or failure? Yeah. How much
1: time do you have? I have so many mistakes that I've made. (laughs) I think that one that comes to mind is just as entrepreneurs, I don't know, maybe you all, your listeners aren't like this, but if you're like me, I move very quickly. I just have a lot that I'm trying to do. Like I said, I'm trying to fit a lot of things into 16 hours. I'm moving very quickly through decisions, through responses, through the decisions that I'm making. And my kind of Achilles heel is when I don't really stop and think a decision all the way through. I like to go off of my gut. I have a high tolerance for pain. So I'm like, yes, sure. Let's do it. Great. I'm sure that'll work out. That'll be fine. Let's just go with this without really being disciplined. I think discipline honestly is the thing that separates successful entrepreneurs from unsuccessful entrepreneurs. I don't think it's the quality of the idea or the product. I think it's discipline. I think disciplined entrepreneurs win the people who can be disciplined with their time and disciplined in their decision-making. So there's so many cross Roads where I wish I had just listened to my gut and stopped and thought a decision all the way through. Okay, should we do that? All right. Here's one scenario. If now some people are go to a fault and they only just think it all the way through and they never make a decision. And you don't want to land on that side either, where you're just a thinker and not a doer. But I'm a doer to a fault, and I don't give things the thought that they need, and that can waste a lot of time and money. I also will get a gut hunch about something. But I'm just moving so quickly that I'm like, I'm sure it'll be fine. Instead of really teasing out those red flags and getting involved, I'm like, I'm, I'm too busy. I don't have time to deal with that. So discipline, I think, is just the biggest thing. If you can cultivate discipline in how you're using your time, in what really in the decisions that you're making, you're going to make far fewer
0: mistakes than I've made. <laughs> So when you talk about discipline, does it mean that you schedule time to think to go? For me, it needs to. I mean, honestly,
1: it means that I need to have margin. And I do have my work days set up in a way that there is margin, variety of different things like margin for connection, margin for learning. Like I really literally do try to block my schedule and schedule those things in. But I think it's whatever works for you. That system can work different for each person. But yeah, it probably looks like taking the last hour of your workday and just really thinking through some of the major decisions before like rapid firing an answer. Yes, if it needs to be scheduled, yep, you schedule it. Like That's really the health of your business and your decision. Your financials really depend on you making those decisions well. So whatever it takes to think it make force yourself to think it all the way through
0: yeah I love the word discipline I know a lot of people don't like it but I love discipline <laughs> it's especially when you're a mom like you gotta like make sure that you get your own time also that you just like don't get buried under all of the things you have to arrange as a mom okay one quick question what does your work day kind of look like do you have it all like down like during the day all like time blocks or... I And mean, I've experimented with so many different
1: things I do think the ideal is probably to have time blocks and I've experimented with that. And I kind of, what I did was I broke it down into the four best uses of my time. Like I want to be doing these four things or I need to be doing these four things as a CEO. I need to be, and as a person, I need to be creating, I need to be learning. I need to be connecting. And then I need to be teaching or creating content anyway. So those are specific to me, but I blocked my time out to make sure that all four of those things are happening. And that's how I make decisions. But really right now it's not working for me to do that time blocking. And so I try to just at least big picture time block. Tuesdays is when I'm in meetings and when I'm doing desk work and when I'm paying invoices and and when I'm you know really hands-on with my team. And then Thursdays, I try to leave really open and not really schedule anything on Thursdays so that I can do more of that deep work. I can work on bigger projects. I can take podcasts, things like that. So I've at the very least have in this season, I have them blocked out like in days, but I've also, there have been seasons where- I'm like, here's the percentage of time I want to be spending on each different thing. 16 hours a week times four weeks each month equals this amount of hours. Let me divide those hours up by percentages so that I'm spending X percentage of time in each area. I mean, that's probably to me the best way of doing it. But with my current situation, I'm at least blocking in two different days so that each day is kind of for something different.
0: Yeah. And also good to know that, you know, it can change sometimes. In, In one season, this works in another season, you know that works. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good. So people probably want to know where they can find more about what you do. Where do they need to go?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to have endless beautiful images on your Instagram feed every day, then follow us on Social Squares. That's where you can get an idea of kind of what we do and the type of images that we create and whether or not that would be an asset for you and your company as you're looking at your marketing goals for this year and where you're trying to show up beautifully and consistently. So follow us at Social Squares on Instagram. You can find us at social squares.com. And then you can find me personally on Instagram at Shay Cochran. And uh, that's it. Those are the only two places <laughs> I can show up. That's my 80 <laughs> 20.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I will put everything in the show notes so people can go there right away. And thank you so much for being on the show and sharing about your story and about how you actually work 16 hours a week and how other people can do that too. So thanks a lot.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And I almost forgot for your listeners, if they take a look at social squares and they feel like this is just going to be a great support and resource for them they can use the code work to get 10 percent off the annual or quarterly plan so just at checkout use the code work w-o-r-k and they can get 10 percent off of that annual or quarterly perfect yeah. thanks so much
0: for sharing that too don't miss out on that thank you for listening to the born to fly podcast if you liked it please leave a review on google podcast or apple podcast And don't forget to share it with your friends. If you'd like to know more about Born to Fly, go to borntofly.faith. There you can discover our How to Find Your Calling course and a community for like-minded entrepreneurs. Looking forward to having you back next time.